Gerritsen and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. We are back with another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Well, today's show was expected uh, to be going over the positives of the Super Bowl parade yesterday in downtown Kansas City. You know, all the players that were enjoying some liquid libations, Willie Gay laying on the asphalt in the middle of the crowd, Travis Kelsey drunkenly singing Friends in Low Places despite not really knowing the words. Uh, Chris Jones, maybe the most important thing uh, player-wise that was said yesterday was Chris Jones said he wasn't going anywhere. Now, I mean, take that with a grain of salt. I'm sure he's still going to want the big-time money. If the Chiefs can't offer that to him, then he's going to look elsewhere for that money. Or he'll ask for a trade, something like that. But for now, I guess we can take his word for it. The unfortunate reality is, though, uh, yesterday was not a positive day. And this is always such a tough thing to juggle in sports radio because um, you were probably listening to Greeny right before the show. And Greeny mentioned that when you turn on ESPN radio, you know, you are going to hear sports and you are going to hear sports today. Um, I think Greeny's able to do that a little bit more than we are because we're based in Kansas City. This, is, this hits a little bit closer to home than it does up at the national studios at ESPN. But we are going to be talking um, sports today. That is going to be the majority of this all. We're going to be talking sports. But absolute tragedy yesterday uh, down at the Super Bowl parade. Um, There's still not all the information out for it. Uh, We do know one identified person has passed away uh, due to the shooting that happened downtown Uh, It was right at the end of the parade. Uh, It was scary up here because we had 810 personnel down there. Josh Briscoe and Jason Anderson were broadcasting downtown. Many people were downtown. All the news stations, all the radio stations. There were tons and tons of people down there. And I think, you know, the, the toughest pill to swallow them all is that children Uh, were shot during this. That's the most gut-wrenching, disgusting, horrific thing um, that I had read yesterday. And and the best news of that is that all of them are expected to make a recovery over at Children's Mercy. But see, the thing is, though, even with hearing that, it doesn't mean the, the trauma of that goes away. I mean, I went my entire life, my young life, never being in the area of a shooting. And I've lived in Kansas City my entire life. In fact, I'm not far removed from living downtown. I I lived downtown for a handful of months, closer to the plaza area, but you know that's not far from Union Station. The worst part about yesterday, and I thought a lot of people were saying it correctly, is that kids were called out of school yesterday, or their, their classes were canceled. To go down there... And see their heroes. See players that they root for. They have jerseys for. Everybody's been a young kid before listening. You remember how much you idolized those players. That's what they thought they were getting into yesterday. They thought they were going to be able to go down there with their parents, maybe with their friends, and see... Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones and Isaiah Pacheco, you know, across the board, there were star players to love on this team. And I'm sure that those kids love those players. And it was cool for them. Maybe it was their first parade they got to go to. The The thing was yesterday, the, the weather was gorgeous. It was like 65 degrees. And that hadn't happened in the two previous Super Bowl parades. It was kind of cold and cloudy and there wasn't as big of a crowd yesterday at the beginning was as perfect as it could be oh the players were dancing in the street there was a baby goat at one point you know Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are catching beer Kelsey's got a bottle of Don Julio like that was the most wild we had seen the Chiefs celebrate a Super Bowl in my opinion 
But as that thing was wrapping up, then you start to hear the gunshots and you hear that there had been a shooting at Union Station. And my thought, my, my immediate thought went to this has to be a one-off. Right? This was a, you know, somebody shooting at another. I actually thought it might have been road rage. When you're down there and there's traffic and people are bottled up, I thought it was in the garage. I think it was like reported in the garage, then right outside the garage. So my thought was maybe it's road rage. Not that it would be excusable at all, but you're thinking somebody's pissed off. Somebody's not moving. There's yelling. There's shouting. It just is so congested down there, but it was far worse than what I could ever imagine. I mean, I think the count got up to 22 people that had been shot. I think now two have passed away. One has been identified. The other, uh, we have not heard who it is just yet. But it's it's sickening to think that that is now going to be the thought, the lasting memory of what was once a glorious and celebratory day. And here's the thing is, you know, there were, I think, 800 800 law enforcement officers down there and no you can't have eyes everywhere at all times there's so many people and that would be so many people to you know scan or identify through the crowd but still the fact you could have nearly 1,000 police officers there or some form of security and it can happen like that's a scary thought and now you think about it for the next Super Bowl parade The next one Kansas City has or the next one another city has, that's going to be a thought. That's going to be in the back of people's mind. And I can guarantee you this, it is going to defer people from going. Right now, it's still very raw, but stuff like this doesn't go away. Oh, if the Chiefs three-peat next year, you don't think that this will be on people's mind? I don't feel safe going downtown. It's dangerous downtown. And I know that... You know, in this situation, you know, there were there were heroes that prevented this from being a lot worse. Uh, the two guys that tackled one of the shooters who was carrying a fully automatic weapon into the crowd. I mean, those guys are heroes. There were heroes in the crowd yesterday, and one's helping people, making sure kids were safe. I mean, the fact that kids got separated from their families, none of that should ever ever have to be a concern when you're going to an event like that never it doesn't matter going to school going to the movies going anywhere that you shouldn't have to stress about that I mean I remember growing up never worried about that never worried about going to school never worried about going to the movies never worried about going to parades I was at the Royals parade I haven't had the chance because of work to go to Chiefs parades but I was at the Royals parade never crossed my mind And there were a lot of people there. There was a lot of congestion in that area. I never thought about it. And now, for the future, this is going to be a thought in the back of your mind. And the last thing you want to have is some event like this being tarnished forever. But the reality is, this is something that will forever be in the back of your mind. And it is just so tragic and disgusting that... That many people were involved. That many people lost their life yesterday at an event that you probably weren't thinking twice of, of being in harm. It had already happened twice before in this city. Like maybe if you had the fear of the first time, there's a lot of people there. If you're, if you're somebody that is concerned about that, now the, the city had had three parades before this. And we still don't know all the information. We, I believe we don't have a motive yet what it was. Uh, They went from like five people in custody to two people in custody to three people in custody. There was a point after the shooting where an armed person was cornered in the Westin Hotel or in the garage of the Westin Hotel. Like it was such a long and ongoing situation where I'd imagine you had some of the shooters trying to flee. I mean, one of them clearly tried to before he was tackled by two people. And it just feels like in, in situations like this, I don't want it uh, to be a, a change of heart where now it's like, well, we can't have Super Bowl parades because this can happen. That shouldn't be the talk today. It shouldn't. 
And again, this is a a sports radio station. Like I said to begin the show, you were listening to Greeny before this. Sports is going to be talked about today. And it's not my job to come on here and be political, but I think everybody can agree what happened yesterday was just simply wrong, disgusting. And if and if you think that it wasn't, or that, oh, it's just going to happen, this is the world, I, I can't agree with you on that. This, There should not have been any kids with gunshot wounds yesterday at Children's Mercy. Shouldn't have been any. There shouldn't have been any parent that lost their life yesterday. That is the worst part about this all because I know in life that you never you never really know when your time is up. But I can guarantee you nobody thinks that's how it's going to go out. Nobody expects that to happen. And at a Super Bowl parade, you know, that that's one of the last spots. I would think. I know there's a lot of people. I know there's a a big crowd there. But you know, you you just have events that are supposed to be celebrated. They're supposed to be enjoyed. You're supposed to, you know, take off work or take off school and go down there and witness something because also I was always told this that you go to those events cuz you never know when the last one's going to be. I mean, think about so many cities now that are starved by Super Bowl championships or World Series championships or NBA championships. You go because you never forget. You never forget being there with whoever you were there with. And if you went by yourself, you went by yourself, but I'm sure you still enjoyed it. You got to see this Chiefs team in an element that, yeah, they've become accustomed to it, the parades, but, you know, being crazy, being party animals, having fun, high-fiving the crowd. I mean, was who had the, the bear head on yesterday? I mean, they were going wild. It was like a college party. And you don't usually see them like that. Um, and I get that, you know, some people are going to say, well, you know, Kansas City downtown is dangerous. I would argue that any big city in America is going to have its problems, is going to have its violence, is going to have its crime, but not on days like yesterday. That's the the saddest part of them all. You know, you you just you don't even want to to finish the workday when you see something like that. You know, props to the program, Seren Petro, Curtis Siebold. I'd heard Todd Lee before I left the station yesterday. You know, Adam Dravetta, Sterling Holmes was still over there. You listen to Sterling right here on ESPN Kansas City. I I can't imagine. Being able to continue the day. I mean, this happened at like 2 o'clock. An entire show's worth. I even thought about today's show. And thinking, I, I just, I don't really feel like doing it. it it's hard to. You know, because you don't know when the right time is uh, to turn the page and look on to the next thing. And the unfortunate reality is we're going to have to. We have things to talk about today. But this is one of the most tragic days in, I think, the city's history, you know, considering the the magnitude of it. Nobody should have ever had to be concerned with that yesterday. And especially walking in, you know, uh, looking at the buses, you see all these law enforcement officers. And I'm not trying to say they didn't do their job, right? The, the thing with the Super Bowl parade is it's citywide. Like, it, there are so many places to be. There are so many people which you can employ as many people as you can out there, but somehow, some way, the the shooters involved, I mean, it wasn't a handgun. There was a, a fully automatic weapon that was shown on the news last night when they had you know placed him up against a, a rock wall almost to take pictures of it. I think it was the CSI that was taking pictures of it. I mean, just a, a haunting image. Haunting, haunting image. And it is going to take... Uh, this city some time to heal from it to feel better about things i mean it's weird to throw this in here but crazy that 24 hours before that the royals announced their downtown stadium plans not directly in that area right next to t-mobile center but downtown 
And that's not going to, I believe, defer a lot of people because, you know, this is more of that massive event of there was a mass shooting down there. The people that lost their lives. But I do know people that when brought up of the downtown stadium, that was a fear of, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe going downtown if I have to walk a long distance to the stadium. That just naturally is going to go in people's minds if you have a downtown stadium or if your team is thinking about moving downtown. It's the violence. It's, you know, I don't want my car broken into or something like that if I'm parking. And right now the Truman Sports Complex, it's so out in the middle of nowhere, you're never going to have an issue out there unless it was a Chiefs game and you got, you know, guys that are in a fight and something happens from there. But I just thought it was crazy that that's less than 24 hours, really, from when this event occurred. And, you know, I don't I don't know if it was planned. I don't know if this was a collateral damage thing. It doesn't make it any better if it was. I have a hard time believing that 22 people were shot in collateral damage, even if you were firing at somebody else. I mean, it is it is just unfathomable what happened yesterday. And, uh, you know, not that I, for one, want to give praise to all the reporters down there that were constantly updating as best they could, putting their lives in danger, reporting what was going on without much knowledge. That's the scariest thing always about things like this is you really don't know what's going on. You, you don't know when the, the next gunfire is going to happen. You don't know if all of them had been in custody. You just don't know. And for those that were constantly updating the public and the first responders, the fans that tackled the shooter, there were heroes yesterday, flat-out heroes. Law enforcement officers were helping. Even Chiefs players were comforting children that had lost their parents. You know, not, I mean, some to the shooting, but some that had just been separated in the chaos and the pandemonium. You know, Andy Reid comforted a high school kid that had been separated from his friends. I mean, I I think back to when I was at the Royals parade, if something like this would have happened and I got separated, I mean, I'm 15 years old. You're panicking in that moment. You, know, you could say to yourself, you're all grown up and you can handle something. You, you don't until you're in a situation like that because you have no idea where the shots are coming from. You don't know where to run to. There's so many people down there, and I I, I can't imagine the chaos and the pandemonium down there. Uh, and for those that still made it out unscathed, it's the mental part of it too. It's the trauma of dealing with that because the, the scary reality of it is it, it could have been anybody. It could have been anybody that was down there just because it was at the, the union station area. It could have been somewhere else. It could have been where you parked your car. You just, you never know. And and that is so gut wrenching about this. The fact that children were harmed in this, and now for the rest of their lives, they're going to have to deal with the trauma of that. It's gut-wrenching. It's absolutely disgusting, horrific in every single way. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I'll finish this up by just saying it happens way too often. It happens way too often, and it's angering, and it's pathetic that some event like that, that should be enjoyed. I... I think to the kids that were excited about waking up and knowing they didn't have school and they got to go down to a Super Bowl parade with their parents or with their friends, and that's how it ended, and that's how it's forever going to be remembered. We're not going to remember the speeches. We're not going to remember the the players like Drew Tranquil saying it was so much better than L.A. We're not going to remember the Bearhead. We're not going to remember Willie Gay shoeless in the street now as funny and as great as those memories were you know the Chiefs you know kind of puffing out their chest on the podium being proud of what they accomplished as they should be this is what we'll remember and it's tough because you got to move on you got to move on eventually it's hard to say now it's still it's going to be hard the rest of the week to just talk about anything Chiefs related Uh, mainly because you know, I would say in the, in the sports radio business, you know, I've worked in it long enough. Jake's definitely worked in it long enough. People tune in to hear about sports. And sometimes 
you have to cover the news, and you have to cover the news that hits close to home here, which absolutely did the tragic events yesterday uh, of a shooting at the Super Bowl parade. Two people had lost their lives. Kids had been put in a Children's Mercy Hospital for gunshot wounds. Thankfully, fortunately, all of them expected to make a full recovery, and if there's any silver lining, that might be it in such a dark and horrific event. All right, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we will roll on on the shift on ESPN Kansas City. We are back here on the shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Well, since the Super Bowl has concluded, the next thing on the docket that we got to talk about is the draft. The draft is going to be coming up. And that's kind of the the crazy thing about football fans is as soon as the Super Bowl concludes, as that final second wears off, you turn to the next thing. You know, I'm a diehard baseball fan, so of course baseball and March Madness is next on the docket for me. But for just football fans, oh yeah, it's it's mock draft time. Uh, you're looking to April and NFL it's Combine time. NFL Combine. If you're even more of a football right. guru, eleven days from now, eleven days, uh, you'll get your first look at some of the top prospects in the NFL draft. But I'll tell you one thing, Jake, that I am very excited about with this draft. I started looking at mock drafts in the playoffs. I just do it out of curiosity. Uh, actually, I'll go one step further. As soon as the national championship concluded and every player that was entering the draft was now eligible, their seasons were over, no more injuries, stuff like that, I started looking at mock drafts. And in 99% of them, it has the Chiefs taking a wide receiver. And that excites me because last year, that's kind of where I was. said, I really hope they trade up for a Zay Flowers. I hope they trade up for a Quinton Johnston, which didn't pan out too well for the Chargers. I thought when Jackson Smith and Jigbo was following, I was like, this is a gold mine for Kansas City. Fall to that 25 to 26 range, trade up, boom, you've got one of your star wide receivers. Fortunately, the Chiefs found a 1,200-yard receiver in Rashi Rice in day two, which I was really high in Rashi Rice, and I have to give credit here. Good buddy Dylan Michaels right here in the studio wanted Rashi Rice back in October. Like, I have to give the dude credit. You've heard Dylan on here a time or two before uh, when producing the show. You've also heard him, I believe, on the home stretch with Sterling Holmes. Dylan Michaels, and I should probably just say, oh, the producer for The Zone now on 810. But Dylan pounded the table for Rashi Rice. And so that does give Brett Veach confidence of, hey, I don't need to use a first-round pick. On a wide receiver, I can find guys. They don't need to play in top conferences. The American Conference is not a top football conference. But this wide receiver class is so loaded, and that's good for Kansas City. Very, very good. Uh, It's also good that there are a lot of other needs for teams drafting 1 through 20, not wide receiver. Wide receiver is... Maybe a need for two of the top 20 teams. I think Roma Dunze is going to go top 20. And I would say neighbors as well out of LSU will probably go top 20. Outside of that, the Chiefs may get their pick of the litter. I really do think so. And I also think they can approach this 32nd pick a little bit more aggressively. You know, when you are constantly getting to Super Bowls, I don't think loading up on draft picks is the best thing to do. We saw with the Rams as well. The Rams might have been the most fortunate team in football to trade away all their picks and somehow land on Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua. I mean, come on now. They sold their soul for a ring, and everybody laughed at them and said, oh, their window's closed, they're not going to be young, and then had a 1,000-yard receiver and one of the best fantasy running backs in the NFL last year in Kyron Williams. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Not just a 1,000-yard receiver. The best rookie receiver ever Mm -hmm. in in terms of statistics. Yes. Broke, Broke every rookie record. 
and was also Yards pulled a little catches. bit early from the game as well. Like once he got his, Sean McVay yeah. said, "Okay, you're done. Yeah, we're gonna pull you out of this game." But I think this is a a very entertaining and exciting part of the Chiefs' off season is that we can look at this mock draft and go, now you got Rashi Rice, and you may add a free agent or two to that wide receiver room, and what if you add a first-round wide receiver? So some of the names I've seen linked, uh, Adon A. Mitchell out of Texas. Um, I think Adon A. Mitchell would be a stereotypical fit for Kansas City. Troy Franklin out of Oregon. Another explosive wide receiver. One that doesn't really fit the mold of the Chiefs, but you talk about an athletic freak. Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina. 6'3", 6'4", with just incredible speed. Xavier Worthy, we saw how fast he was at the University of Texas. Lad McConkney, great route runner out of Georgia. I mean, right there is four guys, uh, Brian Mitchell I might throw in there out of LSU, five guys that are going to be in that wheelhouse. And that feels like the best spot for the Chiefs because they also can see how the draft board falls. You know, what happens if they get to pick 30 and all five of those guys are still available? I'm not saying it's likely, but just what if? Well, you can trade out of the first round then. You can get a couple of twos and somebody's still going to be there and then you could get somebody else that you wanted early on and in day two of the NFL draft. But for starters here, Jake, I want to get your opinion. Is wide receiver the standalone one position they need? Like, it has to be a wide receiver. If they're not trading anything, they're going first round. Or are you saying it can be a wide receiver or it can be something else? Where do you fall on that right now? Uh, Look, I think... I think free agency is going to dictate a lot. I think who they resign is going to dictate a lot. I'm never of the belief that you simply draft a position and you lock yourself into it. I just I don't believe in that. That we're going to reach for a guy just because we need a wide receiver. I don't believe in that. I, I don't think that's how you build mm-hmm. solid teams. Um, look, this is where they continue their run. You look at what they did off the Tyreek Hill trade and how they how they can afford to move forward is that you have to hit on these draft picks and they did they hit on McDuffie they hit on Joshua Williams they hit, they hit on Rasheed Rice the last two years they've hit on the guys that they you know because one of those draft picks they got for Tyreek Hill they used to trade up for yeah. Rasheed Rice so you have to hit on these and, and and this is how you can afford to have a high-paid quarterback. Yep. You have to. You have to have. You have to draft properly. And and look, Brett Veach, by by all accounts, best in the business. Like really, like. Mm-hmm. And so, what I'd look at is like: Are they going to be able to keep Chris Jones? Are they going to be able to keep Willie Gay? Are they going to be able to keep Lejerry Sneed? Like those those three guys are 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 the backbone of your defense right now. Like you know, sure, Nick Bolton in the middle, but but Chris Jones down the middle with Willie Gay and your 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 number one cover corner who just shut guys down. Like I don't, I think they go out and sign somebody like uh, a Calvin Ridley or a, mm. T, a T Higgins or one of those guys. Then no, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't. You, it provides you relief there. You don't need to rush in day one. And I think they definitely are going to go out and sign a a, a top level one two wide receiver but if a guy that you love you know falls to you like a Troy Franklin out of Oregon mm-hmm. you know you know it's pro football focus has a great they have a draft simulator and I I, I use it every day all the time go check <laughs> and see who's going to be available at the Chiefs at 32 and it's all it's all different ranges you know um but I I think you need to look at corner you need to look at linebacker you need to look at defensive line and look I I don't know. They're going to have some work to do in terms of cap if they want to keep one of those three guys because I, I, I don't think you keep two of those three guys, mm-hmm. Chris Jones, Snead, or, or Gay. Um, I just don't think you can afford it. And now, my opinion all season long was, okay, if you're going to give me the option between keeping Snead and Chris Jones, I was, I was in the camp of Snead all day long, all year long, mm-hmm. until we hit the postseason. Uh, and now I have completely flipped, 
And I think you need to try to do everything you can to keep Chris Jones. Like, he's on the wrong side of 30. Mm -hmm. Now, you do have a franchise tag. His number would be $32 million if you franchise him and then try to work out a long-term deal. He, he, I, I, I take with a grain of salt what he said on the stage yesterday um, because of the state of mind he was in. Look, I, I know where his heart's at. He wants to be here. But it just doesn't seem right for them chasing that three-peat without him on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can replace his leadership in the locker room. We looked at what they tried to do in terms of replacing leadership on the coaching staff with Eric Bieniemy, and it took a struggle. It took you took Andy Reid being out of character and having to be the disciplinarian, and then bump Travis Kelsey on the sidelines. And it, it, so, leadership is something that's an intangible that is it, you're not going to draft it, and you're probably not going to sign it in free agency. Um, and so, if they can keep Chris Jones, I think that that helps you. And, and you're gonna, I, I think, if you look at somebody like, you know, Enos Rakeshaw Jr. from Missouri, yep. who who might be there at the end of the first round, you know, to replace Snead, I think that's a guy that you look at. Um, you know, it's I don't know, it's it's I'm not a guy who's like you got to get wide receiver in the first mm-hmm. round, you I, because I think. Now, look, if you don't take care of business and go out and sign some free agents, then you might be like, okay, well, you, you need to trade up and get the, the guy that you identify. You need to use draft capital, and you need to go get the guy that you feel fits this offense and, and, and that Andy Reid wants on, on the opposite side of Rice. Um, I don't think you have to panic into that if you do go out and sign a free agent. you know, Because really, I mean, look at what they did with this wide receiver core they have mm-hmm. now. Look. MVS probably not going to be back. His number is he he's going to you know not be a, a casualty of the cap. Like you can cut him and and, and not really take a, a very large penalty and 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 save that money in your cap um, to go out and sign the wide receiver that you need. So I mean you know you hate saying things like that because MVS had a, a great postseason, had some big catches, had a touchdown in in the Super Bowl, but you know. I think you look at you know, and I, I am not, <laughs> I'm not a Missouri guy, but I do listen to people who watch every snap of Missouri football, and Darius Robinson is an edge rusher that that completely fits into Spags's program. Uh, so that might be a guy you look at at the end of the first round. Now I don't know if they would be willing to back to back years invest on that D line. Yeah, maybe they would. Maybe they would. I, I mean, actually, that'd be three years in a row. Carl Loftus, you know, you know, King Felix last year, and then go on defensive line again. I mean, it it paid off. Those guys are mm-hmm. impact players, and it shows you what you know how how what they were second in the league in sacks this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I no, I don't think you have to lock yourself into any position, but I don't think you really know what the total picture looks like until after free agency you know and that starts here in about two weeks yeah beginning of march we're already seeing guys cut from from rosters um so i mean the off season has begun but you know would i love to see them go out sign a big time wide receiver free agent and draft a, a guy in the first round absolutely do i think you can really afford to do that i don't know maybe i mean I, I still think you need to continue to invest in this defense, even though it's the youngest defense in the league. Mm-hmm. I think you need to you need to find those guys that are going to be able to allow you to have a, the highest cap player in the league, which was Patrick Mahomes last season. So, you know, I, I've started to wonder this a little bit more about keeping the dynasty alive. We've always thought that. You know, you have to make sure this offense is loaded uh, to make sure that dynasty is alive. I've almost changed my my look on it because at the end of the day, you know you are so solidified at the quarterback position. It has been proven the last two years without a Hall of Fame wide receiver and Tyreek Hill, they can win the Super Bowl. Now, two years ago with Juju and that offensive line and that receiving core, that was a really good offense. The defense w- was good enough. This year, the defense was elite. The offense was not. But the offense had Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So I think it honestly brings up the question, if you were given a path here for this offseason and ones beyond that, do you load up 
the offense, you get yourself a T. Higgins. You draft yourself a Don A. Mitchell. So you have Rice, Kelsey, Mitchell, T. Higgins. Looks sexy, right? That looks like a, a sexy offense. Pacheco's back. Maybe you can invest a little bit in the offensive line for depth. But Sneed walks. Jones walks. And then you look up again, and it's, this defense is not that good. This defense lost both of its playmakers. And that is what can kill a dynasty, right? I don't think you need to heavily invest into the offense until Patrick Mahomes starts to show his age a little bit, which we got time till that. It's the exact same way the Patriots were able to start winning dynasties when Tom was in his mid to late 30s. They made it easier on Tom. But in his prime, yeah, they had a great offense. Charlie Weiss was the offensive coordinator a couple years with Randy Moss. Then you have Edelman. You have Gronk. You know, they started to have weapons. But I almost wonder, if you keep this defense firm, you keep this defense solid, I just try to keep it young offensively. You know, that could mean drafting a wide receiver first round, but when you're spending, you don't need to go get yourself a T. Higgins. Maybe you keep the money to try to extend Jones and extend Snead if you can. You know, that may be the best way to go about it, because think about it. If you have a top five defense every single year, Patrick Mahomes is going to be good enough to keep winning you football games. This year is a perfect example. It should not dictate the way you operate your your roster moves for the next five years, but it's all about adapting or dying. I think the way you can adapt is knowing Patrick Mahomes is the best of the best. He's an elite quarterback. He's going to be able to make it work with what he's got. Now, you still got to give him help. I think using a first-round pick and a wide receiver would show him, hey, we're still trying to give you that help. Look, I think this year says a lot in terms of Look, Kelsey's getting up there in age. He is. But, Patrick, look what he did with these wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the contrast, and here's where I believe if you're going to be investing in this offense, look at what happened in 21. Yeah. That offensive line, and they didn't come out on the other side of mm-hmm. it. Like, that, that, was, that was Pat running for his life and, yep. and not being able to orchestrate that offense. Now, you have to look down the road and – in 2025, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith are both free agents. Yep. They're on their last year of their contract next year. You're probably not going to keep both of those guys. Uh, so, I mean, this is where you, you need to start looking long term. Mm-hmm. This is where you invest in that interior offensive line. Also, you know, look, Joe Tooney was all pro this year. All pro. Best in the league at mm-hmm. his position. But he's 31 years old, going to be 32 next year. Has a big cap number. And coming off a, a pec injury. Correct. Uh, look, Nick Algretti did great. Did great. So, I mean, you have to look at these things. Like, mm-hmm. is that a place you can save cap? And you walk a year. Because if you look at how the Patriots did things, they got rid of guys a year early probably. Once they hit mm-hmm. over the 30-year age, Get they, value. they walked on those guys. And so I, I hate even uttering the words, but is it a time to look at Joe Tooney's cap number and, and, and saving money in that position? Mm-hmm. And then you have the money to go spend on wide receiver, and then you take those draft picks and you spend a, a second, third on an interior offensive lineman on the opposite side of Trey Smith, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that you're only going to be able to keep probably one of those two guys, either Humphrey or Smith. Um, and maybe there's a world they keep them both, but I don't. I mean, those guys are, are elite at their position, yep. and teams value that. And they will go out and want those guys, if you can even keep one of them. It, it is a, a tough thing to address, especially in the aftermath of winning a Super Bowl, but it also has to be addressed. Right. You can't keep – it's not like it was back in the 70s where there was no free agency, and you could just keep, keep winning. You keep everybody intact. Nobody's leaving. Nobody's asking for trades. You just kept everybody intact. No, that's not the way it works anymore. And I think my point being is that, look, they can survive having a, a mediocre to less than the average wide receiver core. Yeah. Pro- point they've, proven. They've shown. They've point shown. proven. They cannot operate with less than average mm-hmm. offensive line. No. No. Right? It, and and that's, that's the lessons that you learn as you move through this. You know, so it's like if you're going to be investing in the long-term future of this offense – 
I, it has to be in the at, in the interior on the, just on the line. Period. Yeah. But yeah. I, I focus on the interior because they just paid two tackles. Yes. Right. And so you you're kind of you're kind of stuck with those guys. It's almost you know you're going to have Jawan Taylor. You know Joe Tooney still has a couple more years. You know Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith coming up on as well. Donovan Smith was a one year deal. You might need to start looking in the future because that's again you. I love how you brought up. The Patriots did this for years. They really did. There was not a free agent they kind of bent over backward for and were like, we're going to give you that long extension. Brady was the only one that stuck around forever. It's like he is the irreplaceable. You are replaceable. And that may ruffle feathers with players, but I think they also knew that. Like going into Foxborough, it was like, I may be here for three years, but I'll get two rings. Then they're going to move on from me. There was never a player they looked at and was like, we cannot let them go. And you know what? I don't think the Chiefs look at their players either and go, you are irreplaceable. I think they do for Mahomes. I think they do for Kelsey. We saw with Tyreek Hill when he tried to puff out his chest and say, I'm worth this. I'm the best receiver that he's ever going to have. I am a Hall of Famer. They said, you may be all those things, but we're not going to give you what you're looking for. And within hours, he was traded. So to me, that's very telling. I mean, Chris Jones didn't show up to camp, sat out the first game. And what happened? Jones had to back down a little bit, and he had to play on a one-year deal. Now, we got a ring out of it. He played very well. It could get him a very big payday. But that's kind of the the energy I'm getting from Kansas City and Brett Veach. They really don't coddle any of their players with the exception of maybe Mahomes and Kelsey. And I mean that in a good way, as in we're going to take care of you. You're not – we want you here long term. If there are other guys that are trying to force the issue and saying we need to get paid now, we want to be the highest paid player at our position. They're not going to get it. I mean, and maybe the reason is, too, both Mahomes and Kelsey have been very vocal and adamant about how money is not a, a, a concern of theirs. Let's also be honest. The endorsements are rolling in for them, so they're making a hell of a lot more money off the field. Not everybody can. We discussed this when bringing up Chris Jones's contract, that Chris Jones had every right to ask for a lot of money because he's not getting endorsements like Kelsey and Mahomes. Mahomes and Kelsey are on every other damn commercial that plays on CBS and Fox. Chris Jones is not. He's got the Big Mac commercial where he's pushing the sled, and it's not even him that's pushing the sled. He's in it for like 15 seconds. That's not a huge endorsement. So the Chiefs understand. You know, Mahomes and Kelsey, they're going to be making a lot of money. We're not too overly concerned with it. These other guys, you may have to make those tough decisions. And though it's going to maybe make that position weaker for one year, it makes you stronger two years down the road. Those are all going to be things that Brett Veach has to address. I know that this year is a lot better than last year in terms of what they can spend, who's going to be out there. It feels good to be in that spot. But that's something we haven't even discussed a lot. I'm glad you brought it up, Jake, about this offensive line. We just think Creed Humphrey's going to be here forever. Trey Smith's going to be here forever. It's not the case. Joe Tooney's going to be here for a long time. It's not the case. You know, Jawan Taylor's really the only one that's going to be here for a long time. You know, because he's in year two now of a four-year contract. It's tough in the NFL to run these dynasties back-to-back-to-back. It's also why New England went a decade without winning one. You just... You can't keep everybody there. Some guys are going to miss, right? It's hilarious that the Chiefs at one point in time thought Sky Moore was going to be a great replacement for Tyreek Hill. Big hands, caught everything thrown his way. He was quick, great route runner. He may not be on the roster next year. Kadarius Toney could be a number one. He may not be on the roster next year. But Rasheed Rice, he hit. And that's how the good ones can continue to win is that uh, they put themselves in spot to su- spots to succeed consistently. And if they use a first-round pick on a wide receiver, I feel good about the wide receiver room for the next couple of years because you have Rice under contract. You've got the new rookie under contract. You know, you'd still have, if you kept him, Tony and Sky Moore. 
under team control for a while. You're not spending a lot of money there. But for the other spots, you could be saving your money for a Chris Jones extension, a Legereus Sneed extension, a Creed Humphrey extension. you got to save money somewhere. It can't just stop this offseason. You can't just blow all the money that you have. You have to save some for guys down the road. They have 19 guys hitting free, unrestricted free agency. Whew. And they've already see, they've already made their decision, apparently, on Willie Gay. Willie Gay, before uh, the Buffalo game, said, I just played my last game at Arrowhead. So clearly the Chiefs were up front about, <laughs> up front about it. This is your final run. Now, no bad blood. Willie Gay said that was a way, the perfect way to go out. You win a Super Bowl. And he's going to be paid by somebody, right? And you know, Drew Tranquil was a one-year signing. Mm-hmm. You know that that's a guy. Another that, guy you'd love to have. Back. Mike Edwards, a one-year signing. You know, mm-hmm. Donovan Smith, as you mentioned. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Lair last year. Your punter, Tommy Townsend, mm-hmm. free agent. Nick Allegretti, the guy sat in for. He two. might get paid because of what right. he did in the last two games. Free agent, you know, and, and so you go down, you know. That that's Derek Nottie, free agent. You know all all these guys. Sneed, as we mentioned, th- these are guys that are are big parts of this championship run. That that you know might not be returning. And at the top of that list, obviously, we've mentioned time and time again, Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. And, and that's you know that's a lot of a lot of players that you. Ha- that's why these drafts are so vital. Yes, right. You have to replace these guys with cheaper guys, <laughs> and and hit on them. And they have to contribute. So I mean, you look at they're gonna have they're gonna have their work cut out for them. It it feels like for dynasties that they more than anybody have to win constantly with different rosters. Now that's the reality of it. With bad teams, one you're not winning, but two it may be easier to make decisions on guys. You know, if you're losing ten, eleven games a season. You may not be inclined to give your star player a lot of money because they're not winning already with that team. The Chiefs are in a different spot where they've won back-to-back. You would love to keep everybody intact. Hey, we're just going to run it back with the same group. It's not likely. And if you try that, eventually you're going to hit a point in time where you're just cutting guys to get you back to a normal amount of cap space. Like look at the Chargers right now. The Chargers are going to have to cut a ton of their stars, but it may be easier for them because they're not winning with those stars. The Chiefs will have to cut some guys that are really good or let guys walk that are really good, and you have to replace them with draft picks or other one-year deal guys. I mean, like it's going to be a cycle as long as this team is competing for Super Bowl championships. I mean, you go Tyron Matthew. They let Tyron Matthew walk. It frustrated him. It frustrated some Chiefs fans. They got Justin Reed. Justin Reed is now a two-time Super Bowl champion. They let Juan Thornhill walk. They replaced Juan Thornhill with Mike Edwards. Linebacking core. I remember, you know, Anthony Hitchens came in and replaced uh, Justin Houston. You know, they had Damian Wilson coming at linebacking core as well. And then you replace those guys with a Bolton, with a Willie Gay. Now you add another linebacker and Drew Tranquil, who's going to replace Willie Gay. You know, uh, Charles O'Menohue replaces Frank Clark. George Karloftis replaces, you know, Mike Dana as a starter. So you go across the board and you just have to keep making those tough decisions. But so far for Kansas City, it's worked out. You know, and you may not replace one star with one star. You may have to replace one guy's production with two or three. I mean, right? Tyreek Hill's production was not replaced in the first year after him, but it was replaced by two guys or three guys, if you want to say Juju, MVS, and Justin Watson. Three guys to make up one. That's how the Chiefs did it. And now for this offseason, you know, they could hit on some defensive tackle that's really damn good, that makes the Chris Jones loss feel better, or they may have to use two or three guys to get some form of that production. It's winning in different ways. That is the landscape of the NFL. If you can win in different ways, you will have a dynasty. If you can change who you are, your scheme, your identity year by year, 
you are going to adapt in this league. There's a lot of teams out there that'll never change who they are. They will never change their identity. If we're a really good offense, we're going to keep feeding into that offense. If we try to win by our defense, we're always going to try to win by our defense. You don't believe me? Look at Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. Why do you think it is they haven't found a quarterback since Big Ben? Because they just keep feeding into the defense. Our defense wins us nine games every year. We can play with Kenny Pickett. We can play with Mason Rudolph. We can play with Mitch Trubisky. Think about, well, I could throw the Chargers into this conversation. Chargers just kept feeding into the offense. I get it. They went after Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. It didn't work out in their favor. But they're an offensive-heavy team. They didn't really try to change who they were or their identity. You know, the Chiefs in this run were at one point in time an offensive juggernaut. They were must-see TV. They were the Showtime Lakers. They were Magic and Kareem. You know, they had their pieces. They had a a Marcus Cooper on their team, but they were a star-studded cast. And then they became a little bit more well-rounded, like the Celtics that always played the Showtime Lakers. And then... They kind of developed into this team that were just good enough. Just good enough to get in, but then they could go win a championship. You know, that is what a dynasty is about, because New England did it for years. New England had years where that offense was so frightening, you would be lucky to hold them under 30. You would be fortunate to hold them under 30. Then there were years that Tom Brady wasn't that good, but that defense would overwhelm you. The year the Chiefs lost to them in the AFC title game, that offense was okay. It was the number one defense in the NFL. No, that was why New England was so good at that point. So to me, I look at it and say, this offseason is, yes, about making sure you solidify the wide receiver room, you feel better about it, But it's also about looking ahead to the future. It's also about finding ways to address issues that are going to come about in 2025, 2026. You know the constant is there with Patrick Mahomes. You know for the the time being, Travis Kelsey is going to be there until he decides to call it quits. Andy Reid's going to be there until he decides to call it quits. For the rest of those guys, though, it is time to start making those tough decisions. Well, that is going to do it for another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We will wrap up the week tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City. Come back no more